Hey, sports fans, Coach Nick here, and welcome to another edition of our Locker Room Show via Green Room. Uh, sorry, Green Room, it's not Locker Room anymore, but it's Sunday, it's 9 a.m. My uh, video is a little thin today. I wonder if I can fix that while we're talking. Uh, it ge- generally changes for some weird reason over on um, the uh, Wirecast app, but if I do that and I hit that, then maybe that'll fix it. So what's happening, everybody? How are you guys doing on a Sunday morning? Happy Fourth of July. Uh, as always, if you want to chop it up, you can request to speak on the Green Room app. Download that. Come on in, and we're going to simulcast this. I think I got it figured out a little bit better on the uh, – I got a little Bluetooth speaker here. It's going to be able to uh, send all the uh, people talking on the Green Room app into the YouTube side so you can hear it better than me holding the phone up to the app. But either way, uh, let's bring in – we got people who want to talk already. So let's see how this works. Uh, let's bring in Jimmy and see how that sounds. Jimmy, are you there? Uh, hey, how, how can you hear me now? I can hear you, but while we're talking, I'm going to see if I can't force it to go to my Bluetooth speaker again because it doesn't want to. Uh... Oh, well, that's interesting. The Bluetooth speaker disappeared from AirPlay. Okay, that's, uh, that's good to know. Anyway, what's happened, my man? Man, I I woke up this morning, and I can't believe this is real, man. I was I, I was in the Deer District last night in Milwaukee. Yeah. And it was un it was unreal. I've never I've never experienced anything in sports like that. Really? So everyone was out in the streets uh, celebrating until like well after bar close in Milwaukee. That's like two <laughs> thirty in the morning. Like I got to bed at like three three thirty or something, and it was wow. it was just it was it was amazing. Well, you know, I went to Wisconsin and Madison, so I'm a little bit familiar with what that goes on in that state, uh, and Beautiful I can only time. imagine. Yeah, I, uh, oh, I was gonna say, I was saying Madison's a beautiful town. Um, yeah. yeah, dude, just seeing like guys in their like fifties and sixties who are like crying and hugging, like it was just incredible, dude. It was so wow. cool. Well, let's yeah, let's not forget the last time they were in the finals. Was, I want to say 1974. Is that right? Yeah, and the last yeah. time they won was 71, 50 years ago. All right, so with, they won 71. Did they lose the finals later on? Is that was that what I'm thinking? Yeah, they lost in '74 in seven games to the Celtics. Oh yeah, it's probably like Dave Cowens. I got to go back and look at those yeah. games. Those are fun. Um, yeah. Wow. So, what are your thoughts so far on the on the finals and what's uh, what's going to happen? I mean, everybody everybody here since Giannis got hurt has been talking about like, is Giannis coming back? When is he coming back? I, I, I'm under the I'm under the belief that they kind of got a hold him as long as they can to make sure that he gets as healthy as possible. Um, but I, 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 I think what I'm really proud of is how like these bucks, the bucks team, you know, when you get a superstar, sometimes the team sends tends to stand around and wait for them to do something. And the bucks are no, no different. Sometimes they will just kind of let Giannis try and do things. And without him on there, I mean, game six was the best example, but, I mean, even Game Seven, it was it was great to see like, you know, all these different guys kind of stepping up. I mean, Jeff T had three three pointers last night. It was it, yeah, everybody. That's when you knew <laughs> you yeah. knew something was up. But Jeff T was raining down threes from behind the line like that. Uh, right. I was actually amazed that they, he was getting time even before last night's game, earlier in the games, uh, to show you where they were on their rotations. Uh, you know, so. Uh, you know, and the Bucks, you know, it's too bad. I mean, the, the Hawks, you know, kind of went out the whimper, I guess. You know, I, I, it was interesting to me because Trey Young, the, the actual injury that he sustained stepping on the ref's foot didn't, 
it wasn't that impressive to me as far as like a severe looking injury, but man, he must have already had, he must have already hurt that before because I don't know. He clearly looked, uh, something was off, right? Like he just, and once he was off, you know, it didn't seem to matter. There's just too much firepower in the Bucks anyway, uh, defensively. I think that's the other thing that people forgot was that the, the, the Hawks are not a good defensive team, right? No. They, they were 18th, I think, in the regular season. They're not good on that end, really. So it's not surprising that, you know, a team that still has, uh, you know, Chris Middleton and, um, and Drew Holiday and then, and then Brooke Lopez can, can, can you know, score and, and a lot of points. Um, and I, I, by the way, I called it on Twitter. I don't know if anyone saw it. The first bucket of the second half that Middleton hit, I was like, and now Middleton's the guy that's going to end the game here. And boy, uh, that was an, an impressive run. I have to tell you, uh, I don't even know what did it finish out at? Like twenty three points in the third quarter. Yeah, twenty three in the third quarter alone. I mean, and that's what Middleton's always been, right? He's always kind of been like a guy who's gone on streaks, and sometimes he will go on extended extended lines where he's not shooting well at all. And most of the playoffs, he has not shot well at all. But he's kind of done all the little things on the side. Um, I've never seen such a great passer who makes so many like boneheaded passes, <laughs> but he also tends to he also tends to always have these like just dumb passes that you're like, how can you believe this guy's an all star? But uh, but the shooting came around, you know. The third quarter, yeah. it's just he when he gets locked in, he's like any great shooter. If you take if you get a couple shots and they fall. You've you've made your mark, and now you know where you need to shoot. And then it was just, then he was just off to the races. I mean, middle the the Bucks aren't in the finals if Middleton doesn't play the way he does last night, and even in like Game Three down in Atlanta when he just took over in the yeah. fourth quarter. I mean, listen. By the way, the Bucks aren't where they are without him, even when they have Giannis healthy. Like you know what I mean? Like you need him anyway. Like that was that he's been the linchpin, and I've been talking about him for years now. How he's like the the the, the go to guy for pick and roll. Uh, you know, he, he ends up playing like the star role in their offense a lot more than Giannis does. Um, and that's sort of a function of Giannis's inability to shoot consistently from deep and not wanting to shoot any mid-range shots. So um, it, it, it's, it's a lucky thing that they – not lucky. It was, it was a great development. They got him, and he developed into this guy. Uh, but he, he is as vital as Giannis is. And you know what? Like, they, they could probably be competitive without Giannis. I don't know if they're going to – I don't think they're going to beat the Suns if Giannis can't play. Um, all I can tell you is that it's a miracle that Giannis didn't tear multiple ligaments in that inch with that injury. Um, it, it was also strange to me that he's standing. You saw him standing yeah. up a lot in that game on that knee. I only, I can only imagine it must hurt when it's bent, right? And when you're sitting and it's bent 90 degrees, that, that must be where it aches more than when he's standing. It's, I, it's, I have it's to be so, but even, even if he had like a hurt elbow or something, he would have been standing the entire game. There's this, there's <laughs> nothing you could do to like. Giannis is full, full tilt, everything. For sure, um, for sure. Before game five, uh, before game five in Milwaukee, PJ Tucker had gone to a bar, and a bar, and the bartender had said that PJ told him that if he, if the Bucks had gone to game seven in the final East Finals, that Giannis would have played. So uh, you you know, take that with a huge grain of salt. I mean, a bartender saying something, but right. the guy also has a picture of him with PJ from that day. So maybe, right. maybe maybe it's legit. Maybe I mean, Giannis will come back as long as 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 long as somebody, you know, somebody gives him the go ahead. You know, if the if the if the trainers will be like, okay, 
you know, maybe a bit. And I don't know, even if he does come back, you know, maybe you use him more as like a more as like a decoy or just maybe he's just not superhuman anymore in the game. Maybe he's just another guy who can do a little bit and then you just keep doing that, you know, win by committee kind of thing like right. they did in game six. I, I, I would think that, you know, remember like James Harden came back uh, with a half a hamstring and, and was he actually was ended up being a little bit effectual. Like he, he was making yeah. some shots by the last game. Uh, this is wholly different, and I, you know, and without without his ability that you're describing, what is Giannis? Right, that is his game. Is that he's got you know the long strides and the and the and the finishing above the rim and all those things. Uh, I I would be wary, and especially because this is a long term career of his that you don't right. want to jeopardize uh and if that knee is even structurally unsound a little bit then you can't risk his his, his career for that but but uh i suppose they're not going to put in a situation where that could happen he'll probably have some sort of knee brace or something on it that would help so yeah i listen all i can hope for is that he does play because otherwise the whole season the whole playoffs is just tainted with the big asterisks at this point you know everyone has been injured so much and by the way that's the reason why the suns are here is because they're the ones who were injured the least yeah i mean when you, you, know. when you think when you think about it even the bucks you know uh, dante divincenzo's uh, was, was a fairly yeah. big loss to the bucks but i mean nobody else is gonna look at that as a big loss even though <laughs> he would he would have been the guy in the second round guarding one of the nets right. better, better guards Oh, and he also explains how Jeff T gets any minutes, right? Like, right, you know, right, exactly. Yeah. Um, so for sure, and then you know, and the Chris Paul neck injury was something, but like, I mean, listen, I, I don't, I think we could sort of, you know, acknowledge that the the only reason why the Suns beat the Lakers in my mind was because AD goes down, yeah. and I know, I know people want to give me a double standard and, and and scream at me from the Suns' perspective because how can you say that like you know you give him a pass for AD but not for for CP3 and I'm like well all I could all I felt like watching that was you know if CP3 is healthy and AD is healthy the Lakers still win that that's what it felt like to me and they were in control through game four up to one until AD goes down. If they go up 3-1, I can't picture the Suns winning that series, even with Chris Ball healthy. So um, yeah. that was what I'm, I'm kind of getting at. But even even still, uh, it's just the whole thing sucks. And uh, the fact that everyone's gone down like this has just been uh, – and for whatever reason, I'm not even sure. Obviously, the, the, the uh, Giannis injury is not because they started up the season so quickly and he didn't have a lot of rest in the offseason. But, um, you know, I don't know. This is a crazy, a crazy season. I'm looking forward to getting back on the regular schedule where we can start, you know – at the end of October. Yeah. I mean, there's one, there's one thing I'll, I'll say, and then I'll let, I'll let somebody else jump in and hop out. Uh, but what, what I wanted to say really on that, on that end is that, you know, the playoffs are always a war of attrition. It's just that this season is just so much more and maybe LeBron's right. Maybe it's because there was the short, whatever. I mean, a couple of these, you know, Trey young got hurt by a freak injury, you know, Kyrie got hurt by a freak injury. That wasn't, the long season that got them down. Um, but really what I want what I, what I really want to say is that, you know, we all want to have that, those playoffs where everybody's healthy, but it's not 2k, you know, injuries are part of the game. It's yeah. It's, it's yeah. Always, you're right. It's always part of the game. And the Suns and the bucks are for, for better or worse, the last two teams standing because they were the ones who were the most, you know, the best teams that were the most healthy over the course of the playoffs. So, I mean, it's just kind of that, you know, last man standing kind of scenario. So, absolutely. But, uh, absolutely. Yeah, I wanted, I wanted to, thank you for thank you for letting me hop in, and uh, you know, take care, everybody.
You got it. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. And anybody else who wants to hop in here, uh, come on in. Join us through the Lock Room app. and Or, sorry, Green Room. I got to get used to saying that. And uh, and then you can join the show and beam me right out to the YouTube site as well. I'm trying to figure out if I can get this AirPlay thing to work. But uh, I suppose the Green Room app suddenly eliminates using any other speakers besides my phone, which is an interesting, weird thing, right? You think, you know, I could I could blast it out to my uh, my Bluetooth speaker when I'm listening to a green room show, but not when I'm in hosting the show, I guess it's very strange. Anyway, uh, we got another request. We have uh, Jeff wants to come on here. So let's bring him in here. Jeff, what's happening, my man? I hope I'm saying uh, your name hey, right. Coach. Um, yeah. I'm just wanted to know uh, what um, chance do you give the bucks to take a game uh, off of Phoenix in these first two um, without Giannis? Cause I think they stumbled onto a formula that kind of works for them. <laughs> Um, I think that Middleton and Holiday can be a pretty disruptive defensive backcourt given their size and their strength, and that can bother CP3 historically. So um, maybe that can work to their advantage, just flowing through them on both ends. Yeah, interesting question. So let's let's go through it. Let's look at the Bucks and how they match up with the Suns individually, and we can talk it through because I'm, I am kind of curious. So, obviously, Drew Holiday on CP3 is going to be an awesome matchup because Drew was a really good defender in CP3 and CP3, right? So, that's going to be an interesting battle for the Bucs and how they defend that. But I I certainly don't think it's going to go like Chris Paul's not going to score 40 points in the fourth quarter, whatever he did the other day. Um, Now, you have to talk about, uh, let's see, who Middleton guards. So, Middleton's going to – by the way, he could guard then uh, Booker. I like that because Booker, I think, would struggle with a bigger, longer defender on him. Uh, he doesn't really beat guys off the dribble that much. It doesn't elevate like that high. So it's, I, I would think that that could, that could stymie them as well. Uh, you know what? You, did you just talk me into the Bucks winning the series? Oh, did you go away? No, I'm still here. So I, I think you might have just talked me into the Bucks winning the series, having thought for sure that um, uh, it would have been the Suns winning. But you know what? And then so we, and Brooke Lopez can guard. Uh, well, okay. How do you think Brooke Lopez is going to do yeah, how is he going to do against Aiden? How do you think? Um, I think I think he I think Brooks going to have his hands full, honestly, because Aiden Aiden doesn't stop. So, you know, he's I don't know if he's have they have they really played a center as good as him all playoffs. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't, I don't think so. So, like, they didn't, uh, yeah, they didn't play fully. So, so I think yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, they didn't play Philly. So, I mean, Capella's like 60% of Aiton. You know, similar game, role man, but, you know, Aiton's a, just a different animal. So, yeah. we'll see how that goes. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, well, good, good call on that one. Um, and then I'm trying to think of any other matchups we can kind of go through here. Uh, I mean, I don't know if they have to really worry about, you know, guarding bridges with anyone special at that point. Um, and uh, who else is a threat on, on the Suns for them? You know, I guess you're going to think about coming off the bench. They're going to bring campaign. in guys like, yeah, campaign and then Cam Johnson, the two cams. Um, those guys also will be key, as they always t- tend to be, right, when you're talking about um, – you know, the finals, it's always some other guy that we don't, we're not quite prepared for is going to have an impact on a game or two. Um, I, you know what? I, here's the thing. I think it's going to be too. a good series. Cause I think, cause I think the fact that they've, since they've been in so many battles together as a squad, like I think that's going to help them. I think that's, that's something that they can lean on. You know, the fact that like Middleton is just like, okay, I'm used to carrying the load holidays, you know, holidays new, but he's proven. Cordis gave them, 
ridiculous production without Giannis. He could be an X factor for them too. Yeah, absolutely. Portis, you're right. There's a lot of interesting storylines here. And um, we'll have to kind of see how it plays out. Also, the storyline is that nobody has any finals experience. Nobody does, right? Nobody on on these teams. Right. Yeah. So that's another interesting thing that will definitely affect. I have a feeling game one could be ugly for that matter. Like they're going to be nervous. They don't know exactly what they're going to, how that. A lot of nerves. I see a lot of nerves. Um, It could be, it could be a sloppier game to start. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Well, thanks, Jeff. Appreciate it. Thank you. Um, anyway, don't forget, if you're on the YouTube side, uh, come on over to Green Room, download it, follow me at D-Ball Breakdown, jump in the show. I believe that the uh, link I put in the description is the link for this one. But you know what? I probably should just make sure by hitting the share button on here. Um, and then I could probably uh, update that in the uh, description here. Where do I do that? I wanna, I mean, let me try this and see while we're live if this works. Here's my favorite part is when you copy something on your phone and then you hit paste on your computer and it works. It's amazing. Uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to say this again. So you might have to refresh or something, but I'm going to change the, uh, the thing here with a new link in case you want to join directly. Uh, Cause I want to hear from you guys. So see if you can refresh or, you know, swipe down a little bit and you'll get the new, uh, the new link in the description to join this directly as you sign up for green room. But I'd love to have you in here and talk. Uh, we'll go through some comments as well. Uh, anybody wants to get me on the YouTube side right away, obviously the super chat's the best way to do it to catch my eye easily. But um, I'm going to go through some of the green room comments too, because I'd like to give them a little bit, um, uh, some love here on there. So coach, uh, Nick basketball, a good friend of the breakdown coach, which players does Cam Reddish remind you of? Oh, that's interesting. So I, um, oh, and then I see somebody over on the YouTube, on the YouTube side saying, how do I join the live? Well, if you go, if you, if you download the green room, app, green room app, create an account, look for b-ball breakdown uh you'll should see it and by the way if you're on the homes page it should just tell you live in the nba i'm in the nba group um it should just show you what group what um uh rooms are live and you can just be able to hit join join room and jump in people have done that i believe in the past if anybody on the green room app came over from youtube let me know and let me know that was that's working uh and, and give me a give me a chat in the uh in the uh green room chat if you can uh, so let's get back to the question, which was uh, Cam Reddish remind me of. So before the season started, I, I have a DM. I have receipts. I thought that he was going to be the biggest um, you know, X factor for a team. I thought he was going to have a great year. He had been primed. He's got you know, a, a good skill set, good body, uh, a good size. Uh, it turned out that it ended up being DeAndre Hunter who kind of grabbed that role a lot better. And I was going to kind of do a video on him and then, you know, stuff happened during the season. But I do have the receipts where I was like, Cam Reddish is going to be the guy and everyone better be on board with him. Uh, and then he just didn't kind of, it didn't work out that well in the beginning of the year for him. So here we are. I'm, I think like we're seeing a lot of the, what we were, what I had thought about before. So who does he remind me of? Oh my goodness gracious. I mean, you know, who is a really athletic, um, solid, Good defender. He can shoot the three. Um, he's developing. Gosh, I, I don't know who he reminds me of. Um, who would that be? I'm looking for anybody else. Paul George. Oh, yeah. Paul George is probably a good call on that one. And he might be already ahead of the curve on where Paul George was the same age. I, let me make sure that Cam Reddish is as young as I think he is. Let's quickly do that. Cam Reddish is dun, 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 21. I, I, it, well, you know what? We're, we just saw for a brief moment the flash that I was talking about for Cam Reddish. So we have to kind of see it in the next year, but he's probably on that similar trajectory then as far as, um, uh, as that goes for, um, for, for uh, Paul George. So that's probably a good call. I like that. 
Now, I think Paul George might have been a better defender even at 21, but um, we just need to see a little, little bit more from him. We got 58 games this rookie year. We averaged 10.5 points a game, and he shot 33% from three. And then the next year, he averaged a little bit more points, but he played a couple more minutes, and that was the difference there. But he didn't really sort of show it. So going into next year, I'm, I'm looking really forward to what Cam uh, Reddish can do. I think he's going to be great. Now, what you really have to ask yourself is, what does that mean for the Atlanta Hawks? If they bring everybody back, and I'm assuming everyone's under contract again for one more year, because I don't think John Collins is a free agent, or is he? Someone tell me. Um, that's a terrific team. Now, John Collins has a lot of developing he needs to do, without question. He's got so much promise. He could be an all-star easily. Uh, but he's got to really clean up his short rolls. I feel like that was when he started getting too fast. He moves the ball, makes some poor decisions. And if he can clean that up, and that's not hard to do, uh, he already can, has proven he can shoot at a three-pointer at an elite level, elite level at a catch-and-shoot uh, style. Um, and he's posted up and done nicely, but he's got to also polish that up. Once he starts to do that stuff, uh, then, yeah, I'm talking about all-star for him. And then you got Trey Young, who has proved himself, I believe. Uh, you have DeAndre Hunter, who was playing really well in the playoffs, I thought, was aggressive, was scoring, doing really well. So all those things are important. Uh, then you throw in Cam Reddish. Cam Johnson, out of nowhere, you know, really showed it that he's a bona fide, you know, NBA player. That's a really good team, and that's gonna they're gonna challenge guys in the East without question. Uh, we have some more more people coming in the show, so welcome everybody. We have two Knicks. What's happening, guys? Oh, hey, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, oh, I talk about the, obviously the Hawks roster. I think the. I think the the three free agents are Lou Williams, Solomon Hill, and that restricted John Collins, I believe. Wait, okay. So what, say it again. Lou Williams is is unrestricted. Uh, yeah, unrestricted. So is Solomon Hill. Oh, okay. That's no problem. <laughs> they they you know they don't need them, especially if uh, DeAndre Hunter is going to be uh, healthy. You know, Solomon Hill. Listen, he's a great teammate. He works really hard, but if you got to play him major minutes early in the playoff game, then you're probably behind the eight ball right right off the bat. Uh, okay, and then so what's John Collins' status? What did you say? Uh, I think he's restricted. Okay. I'm going to turn that speaker off. Uh, okay, good. So they can match that. And, and that's probably what they should do then um, and, and keep him. I, I like the yeah, fact like that he fits that. in well. I think they ironed out his issues uh, with um, uh, him and Trey Young obviously had a blow up in the middle of the year. I think they, got, they looked like they got ironed out by the end of the season. So that was important uh, just to go through that fire together and forge a better relationship. So I think, I, I'm look, I think they're really you know, going somewhere. Now, Nate McMillan also was quoted as saying that in the past he would have detonated on these guys and been really, really negative. And he realized, and, and I, I, the only problem I have is that he tried to, I think, shade it where it was like, you know, today's kind of player that doesn't work. I would argue it probably didn't work really back then either. I mean, you could get results, but it wasn't because you were being so negative and screaming and yelling at these players. Um, and so I, I was really heartened to see that, like, because I, I thought uh, for sure him taking over was kind of a shrug, like, okay, another one of these ex-players from my era that's going to coach the same way they've been coaching for 20 years. So it was really, really gratifying to hear him acknowledge that and, 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 and make a, a concerted effort to change the style. And I think that that's, I think the fact they got to the Eastern Conference Finals it is a result of that change you know so the the negative version i don't think drives anybody to get beyond where they could play anyway but when you can change the the method of communication and try and build them up more you get a team like the hawks shocking people and getting to the eastern conference finals you know there's a lot of reasons for that obviously but um i think that's one of the big contributing factors so it's great to see uh 
let's talk to uh, Nick on the other side here. What's happening? It's been a long, long time since I've heard from you. Yeah. Hey, hey Coach. How are you? Uh, good, good. How are you feeling? Yeah, good, good. Uh, health-wise, I've been a lot better. Long story, but yeah, we can get into that later. <laughs> but <laughs> No worries. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was just wondering, like, um, you know, uh, the Suns, they have two great mid-range shooters like Devin Booker and Chris Paul, right? How is Milwaukee defending against that compared to, you know, Trey's, Trey's floater? They made an adjustment to that, but are they good at defending mid-range shots? No. The Bucks want to give up as many mid-range shots as possible, so that's a really great call as far as their base defense kind of plays right into the hands of the Suns. Okay, so now you talk me back into the Suns winning the series. <laughs> um you know, now here's what we did see, which is exciting. They actually adjusted and they had um, Brooke Lopez, of all people, coming up higher before he starts doing his duck waddle backwards to contain Trey Young, which would then indicate that there is a, a notion that he could kind of limit the mid-range a little bit better on that end. Um, because, But they're not going to shoot the floaters as much as the pull-up jump shots from 15. And I still feel like that's going to be an viable shot for them going forward. They're going to get a lot of those. I'm going to do a video. I might try and sneak it in tomorrow before the final start of how crucial those mid-range shots were throughout the entire playoffs this year. Uh, in the, uh, just in my mind's eye, I can picture so many clutch shots hit in the mid-range where everyone's like, we don't want to take those. Those are not good. But in turn, it, and then they end up being game-deciding shots over and over and over again. So that could be the argument for getting it, bringing it back. And there's no question, if you're looking for the top guys to shoot those, it's Booker and it's, uh, it's, Chris, it's Chris Paul. It's a great call. Yeah, no, it'll be really interesting. And for people trying to get into Green Room, um, just look up NBA and then your, your chat's, I think, the first room that you can join. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, that's how, I, that's how it better be. Um, <laughs> and don't forget, if you're in the green room with me, just request a chat. I bring everybody in all at the same time. And, you know, everyone seems to share and, and we don't talk over each other. It's great. Um, but, yeah, that's a, that's a really good call. I think this is going to be a really confusing series to try and predict, uh, Nick, and, uh, and to figure out whether we can, um, you know, who's going to win the battles. And it might be a seesaw thing. It could go seven games. Uh, you know, one of my fears, though, is the Bucks. Um, uh, Sun series, like how many people are going to watch, right? Is this going to captivate enough people and make this a series or like that has a good ratings or not? Will my videos get watched uh, on, on these breakdowns? I, I really wonder. Uh, and I wonder what you guys think too. I reckon, I reckon people will because, you know, you don't have super teams. You have different sort of people playing, but they are small markets, so you never know, eh? Yeah, mm. you know, and, you, and from my perspective, knowing what small market teams are like online and how um, how vociferous they are and how you know how much they watch, you know, um, the the Bucks are pretty good. The Suns are a little bit not so good, at least in my perspective. So uh, we'll see. You know, compared to like the Lakers or the Celtics uh, or even the Knicks or the Bulls, uh, so it's an interesting call. Hang on for one second, everybody. I'm going to turn my air conditioning off so it doesn't. Uh, it's not so loud in the background. I get some clean sound. All right, let's do that. And I'll just sweat with everybody for a little while because it's hot in here in L.A. Um, all right. Well, listen, um, we have it looks like Adam Dwyer is now in here. Adam, you're the guy that was trying to get in last time. They couldn't, right? Yeah, I was having trouble last time, but um, I figured it out. Awesome. Well, welcome. I appreciate I appreciate you, you know, helping trying to get me in. I wanted to go back to the Hawks for a minute and ask if you think that they, you know, with their playoff run, could be in contention to get another, you know, better upgrade at guard, say like Kyle Lowry or Goran Dragic. I know they're both free agents this year. 
possibly even get Dennis Schroeder back, but he's asking for a lot of money. I don't know what their cap situation is. Well, all right, because so, you're not happy with Bogdanovich and uh, Herder? No, I mean, I, I am. I'm just talking off the bench, like taking oh. the middle spot. All right, okay, because then, you know, then they got Cam um, – Cam – uh, Payne, who is also up there. He's a point guard, not necessarily a shooting guard, but uh, I don't know. I kind of like that four-guard rotation. I'm not sure, sure they need to really do too much more with that. Um, to me, it was more like the small forward and like get Cam Reddish, get DeAndre Hunter back in the rotation healthy. I, I, I'm not so sure they have to do much else. Like Maybe they need a backup center. You know what I mean? Yeah, they could use a, another rim runner. Yeah, so maybe for Trey. Now, the only other question then is just like if they want to like deal John Collins because they don't want to end up paying him whatever uh, or something like that, then then you know that opens up some stuff there. But it still feels like to me it's more the front court. I I like you know that backcourt of let me make sure I'm not missing any because because by the way, Cam Reddish is you know a a sort of a guard. He could be a guard, even though let's see how tall is he? He's six eight. Yeah, I mean you know, but he has some of those skills. I've seen those before, but. We're talking about Atlanta. Let me just see. The Bogdan, I like the Bogdanovich thing. He clearly was hurt. So I like the four-guard rotation of uh, Young, Herder, Bogdanovich, and uh, Payne. You know, Lou Williams, I think, is not – he's not viable anymore. He's just gotten to the point where he's – you know, he's 34. He's not the kind of guy who's, like, you know, be in amazing shape. I mean, he looks like he's in shape, but I don't know if he's, like, training to the point where he can then increase his, his ability to movement patterns and stuff like that. Now, um, so, so, but Lou, you know, might hang around for one more year. Remember they still had Tony Snell. They still had Chris Dunn. If those guys can get back into shape and they don't need to do anything. Right. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So I, I like, I really like this team. I think Atlanta is really, really tough. Yeah. I think they're really tough too. And I feel like a lot of people forget Bogdanovich is like I think he's like 27 or 28 or maybe 26 but he's a little bit older but I think he's really mentally tough so I think like he is an x-factor for them yeah I mean tell you when you go through those euro uh battles uh in the euro not euro league uh but like when you're playing for your national team I'm telling you those games harden you and so the playoffs might not feel that crazy to them at all in the NBA because They've represented their country in those, you know, they get sucks getting thrown at them. The refs are terrible. Like everything's against them and they can per- push. Those zero guys to be tested. So they're tougher than a lot of times people think. Um, I'm getting a call from somebody who wants to meet me in 20 minutes. Let me just text him and say, uh, I'm in a show. Forgive me um, for about 10 minutes. All right. Um, then I'm done. How are we looking? Sorry, but let me just do this. And we got some more people who want to come in and chat. Oh, I missed the – darn, I missed the button. And, again, if you're over on the YouTube side, I got another uh, – you know, we started late, but I'm going to probably go for another 15 minutes. So if you want to jump in here, we can. What's happening, everybody? Who wants to uh, who wants to jump in there and offer something? Hey, Nick, I, I was wondering. I was wondering yeah. if, uh, if Brooke Lopez is doing the duck waddle. So we'd probably get him out of there. Say Giannis is healthy. You put him at the five. How would how would Phoenix conduct their offense or go about their sets? Because I would assume Milwaukee's switching, and they're not going to be able to CP3 get to his pull up stuff like that. You wait, wait, why not? You think that Milwaukee's going to switch and not drop? Well, I'll say uh, Brooke Lopez is not in the game, and you have Giannis oh, oh, oh. guarding Aiden. <sighs> right. I mean, I mean, let's say Brooks out, and the I guess it's Portis is in. Right? Is that what you said? Could be Portis or Connaughton. 
Okay. So they'll switch that. Yeah, and that's true. And then, you know, you'll still see those ISOs kind of, kind of stuff that they'll probably try and do. Uh, they'll probably end up going and maybe rolling uh, if, Aiton, if Aiton is not in. I guess they're also saying if Aiton's not in as well, right? Yeah, right. Right. Okay. So that's interesting. I mean, they have that whole uh, pin down package for um, Booker as well, where he's coming off the of screens. So you'll probably see some of that stuff going on there. Uh, you'll probably see some of the high post things they'll do. So uh, that's interesting. Um, I just imagine that Lopez is going to get his 30 minutes. So he's going to be in there a lot and they're going to target him a lot. Um, so I think it's only, uh, it'll be on the margins where we'll see those moments when he's not in there and, and they're, uh, they're going to do a different attack. Uh, and that's the other thing is, are they going to, how often is it going to match up where like, you know, they'll have both Chris Paul and uh, Booker in with like, let's say uh, Lopez out, you know, and they're going a little bit smaller. Um, but uh, I think that's also when you're going to start seeing, I, I, here's what I think. I hope that they get more like campaign minutes by himself without Chris Paul. They were playing them together a bit. And I just feel like that kind of limited campaign's um, ability and, and effectiveness. He, to me, when he's playing the Chris Paul role is when he was doing so awesome and made it really hard on everybody and, you know, pretty much won that series for them, I think. So, um, or, or, or certainly, I'm sorry, it certainly gave them the lead. Like, they, they played better with, uh, I thought, campaign in there than when Chris Paul came back. So um, that's going to be an interesting thing where they're going to have to hopefully figure that out. I, I, I definitely believe Payne's more effective without Paul, but. I like the I like the elbow set where Booker has multiple reads or he's like coming off, and he can do he can do different options off of that. But I'm thinking when when Booker's not on the court and say it's just Payne or it's Payne and Paul, how would they how would they get into their sets? Yeah, well, obviously, remember I'd done the videos with uh, Payne and without Paul, and they were using the Spain pick and roll, which is like the, the high ball screen, and a yep. third player would come and back screen the ball screener's man. They, they I, here's the thing. I was studying this, trying to figure out why the heck they stopped running it. They basically went from like running it 12 or 13 times in game two to like three times the re- and, and most in the rest of the games. And it's, it turns out when you look at it is Chris Paul doesn't get downhill like campaign can. And so that doesn't work so well when the threat isn't there. And he's not going to even probe like that either. So they were able to, when they did run it, they got a couple of good shots out of it, but a lot of times it was just easily contained. And now the shot clock's running down. You're going to have to do another inside pick and roll on the wing anyway. So like, that's why they don't run that. So that's why I was saying like, you know, get Chris Paul out of the game and let campaign be the main ball handler for more minutes than they did in the last two games. Uh, I, I honestly think that's going to help. Now it's sacrilegious to say that because Chris Paul obviously is playing great and you got to have him in. But um, I, I think it's a luxury that they have where they can get Chris Paul, let him play like 33 minutes instead of 38 and give a couple more minutes to campaign uh, or maybe like 34 minutes instead of 38. Give him four more minutes to see if he can get that going because that's lethal, man. The way that campaign was doing it, he's so quick and long, um, you know, going down low. And he's got really long arms. He stretches. I know he got one of those blocks by Lopez on an inside, uh, uh, inside finish, inside hand finish, but uh, uh, that's what I like to see. And, I don't, and we'll have to find out if, um, if Milwaukee can handle that. Um, you know, I'm sorry. You know what? Now I'm saying that. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so we'll see how that works. But that's uh, that's all, all good stuff. And I and I, that's the thing is there's so many variables here. It's, I, no one can predict anything. For sure, I definitely see them struggling to get downhill. I see them. Well, I'm, I'm assuming Giannis is healthy, of course, and they'll be walling off the paint. So I think it's going to come down to a lot of Cameron Johnson, a lot of Jay Crowder threes. We'll see. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I have no doubt you're right. There's going to be a different hero on each different night, and we're going to be like, oh, look at that. And uh, and that's why I bet you it'll be a little bit hard to figure out who the finals MVP is going to be because of that. So we'll see. Yeah, th- thanks, Coach. All right, thanks. All right, who's next? Who else wants to talk? we got some people who have been here for a while. Hey, Coach. Yeah, what's up? Hey, quick question, not pertaining to the finals, but um, okay. two players that I was wondering what's going to go on with this offseason – Kemba Walker and John Wall. Where do you see them ending up at? Yeah, because I don't think Kemba's going to stay in OKC, right? Right. <sighs> well, you know, the, the fear with Kemba is that he put up a lot of good stats on a bad team for a while. And then he got to a good team and we kind of saw what he was. That may or may not be true because he definitely, you know, shows he's got a lot of ability. He can play. But what I was more worried about was his knees, which the way he – his functional movement is such that his knees colli- collapsed so much that I was shocked that he didn't get injured, like, throughout the first six, seven years of his career. But all of a sudden, the last two, he's been breaking down. And so that's the biggest worry is that he's not going to be able to make it through another, another NBA season healthy. Um, so that's going to be a, a, a pause for a lot of teams to deal with and figure out whether they want to take a chance on that and then that, and take a chance on him being like a starter on a team. So, you know, with that said, maybe he can then be good off the bench and be that like, – he probably would be the best version of himself playing 24 minutes off the bench and being a microwave and awesome against second unit player, uh, players and then maybe not uh, wear down his knees so much. So in that case, who, who would do that? Who would make that trade? Is it like – I don't know, man. Uh, do you have any ideas? Uh, I I could see him in the offense somewhere in Miami, and possibly in Philly, but I don't I don't I don't I'm not sure what's going to go on with Ben Simmons. Yeah, I'm not sure what Miami's going to do with their. Uh, I know uh, Goran's maybe gone. Yeah, but, so that that's not a bad call. Have them replace Goran off and come off the bench in that 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 might be bad. Sorry, that might be a good call. Yeah. Could he could he possibly play the uh, Dennis Schroeder role in Los Angeles? Yes, I think he could they definitely. Do that. Nice. Yeah. So Kemba is definitely the guy who would be who would look really good alongside I think LeBron and uh, and AD for sure. So that would be a, a good a good spot for now. The question is, is that as a starter, like I, I'm just worried about his knees. I don't know if he can handle you know 35 minutes a game, 34 minutes a game as a starter in the league anymore. Just because I mean, let's look at his numbers the last couple of years. My, I remember I checked this before, um, and and I, I don't want to you know I'm not casting aspersions. I just like you know you can analyze the way his knees collapsed like that. He played 56 games in 1920 and then um, 43 games last year after, after having played like almost every game, you know, for the most of his career, he's been really durable. So, and he's 30, he'll be 31. So I'm just a little bit worried about that. And, um, and that, that's, that's the big risk. Someone's going to have to take a risk if it's a good team to do that. Um, and, and the question is, what do you have to give up to get him? Right. Cause he's under contract. They have to trade for him. Right. Yeah. They're not going to cut him. I don't think so. They have to trade for him. Obviously, okay. So he's going to want, some sort of pick on that and, pr- and probably a young player. So, I mean, I don't know if the Lakers even have that to give up. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't really thinking too much of the Lakers. I felt like with Vogel, he's going to want something more defense oriented. Yeah. So I didn't foresee Kimba. I mean, I, I would like to see Kimba there. I'm the biggest LeBron fan, but I don't see how he fits with the way the team is constructed right now. I feel like they'll just have a, a THT. Bring the ball up yeah. on off, off the bench. 
Yeah, I would like to consider see him continue to develop and get better. And and then you know, I, I'm not exact. I thought it was sold on him, but then I'm kind of went back and forth with him. So I'm anxious to see if he's going to be able to develop more. Um, you know, if going forward and being even better. Because if that's the case, then then yeah, then they're good. Then then there's a Caruso issue, which I think he's a free agent. Isn't that right? Yeah. 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 And like, you know, he, he does so well for them that it would be a mistake, I think, to let him go. But they, they, he might get an offer that, um, that they simply won't match. And, and that might be OK, too. But um, and then we'll see how well Caruso does not playing alongside LeBron and AD. Uh, but I, 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 I've seen enough from him to know that he's, you know, he's, he's very good. Um, and we'll see. But, we'll, you know, we'll see. Now, I did, did want to say like you, uh, Juha, Juha, uh, you've been in there for a while. I wanted to hear from you. Uh, did I, how do I, did I pronounce your name even closely right? It is pronounced Yuha. It's a Salinche, but I do appreciate you going uh, out of your way just to check in on me. Thank you. Hey, no worries. And I, I did say Yuha is the second version of what I thought right. was, uh, you know, how you say it. But great, great to have you on. What's happening? Yeah. Hey. Um. So my question, uh, it's just a quick question about DeAndre Ayton. Um. Any time that a team makes the finals, we always like elevate whatever players that were on that team. Oh, I didn't consider them top twenty, but now they're top twenty or whatever ends up being. I'm curious, from what we've seen from DeAndre Ayton, have you changed your outlook on what you think his ceiling would be, or what do you think his ceiling? Yeah. Oh, I, I, I've totally changed. Like from his rookie year till now, his defense is is is. I, I gotta. I want to interview him to find out what he did to improve so much because it really is remarkable to me. He's like a defensive stopper now, like really good. And now on the other side, we always knew he was great offensively, or really, really good. Great touch, good form. So what I, I would anticipate is he's going to add a three-point shot to his game, probably in the corners where he can fly out to there or pick and pop and shoot a few threes. He better. He, he can. His form looks great. So I think if he started doing that, that opens up some more things for him. And at that point, who knows? Can he start driving, you know, and doing like the cat look or the, uh, the MB thing? Uh, and if that's the case, then, then his ceiling is as high as it can be, right? It's an all-star and it's, um, you know, NBA champion, you know, which might end up being this year anyway. Um, I, I think Aiden has it, it, the, the world is his oyster. Uh, you know, the only question is, is he really as young as he looks? Because <laughs> to me, he looks like he's 30 uh, and, and not whatever, 20, what is he, 22? Uh-oh, did I lose everybody? Nope, that's a good question. Anyway. I don't know how old he is. He is, uh, he's 22. So, uh, you know, it's like, that, that's the only question is he, re- if he's really like 30, but I don't think he can be 30. He's probably 22. Uh, then yeah, he's got a lot of development in front of him and, and improvement. So you're talking about, you know, within like by four years from now, I, if I, he better be shooting threes, he better be doing shot fake, you know, and, and dribbles to the basket, uh, alongside his really nice touch in the post, uh, and all those things. And then continuing his, his defensive, uh, impact. That's you know all star and uh, and with, uh, that's top ten probably. Perfect. Well, thank you for your time. I do appreciate that. No problem, you are. Thanks. Thanks for coming on. All right. What else do we want to talk about, guys? Hey, coach. Yes. Well, as long as we're talking about players, um, sticking to the sense, do you think Booker has uh, can become much better than he already already is and. How do you see yes. him compared to the rest of the league? Do you um, think he could be an MVP eventually? You know, 
I wasn't sold on Booker until this playoffs. And somewhere in the middle, I, I, I tweeted it out. I can't remember after which game. I was like, okay, I'm sold. This guy is a legit, like, number one on a really good team. Um, you know, part of my question was, you know, his, his form looks really good, yet he can never be – he was never a really good three-point shooter. The percentage is always kind of low. And it was weird because it just looked like he should be a 40% three-point shooter. Um, but I think that what I've seen from him defensively and his, his engagement there has been terrific. And um, he's been carrying this team over enough games in the, you know, the heart of the playoffs to me that indicates, yes, he, he deserves the accolades he gets. And he is that guy. Um, now, obviously, this is the cherry on top of the Sunday. He's going to have to do it in the playoffs now in the finals. Now, you know, maybe he won't shoot a really high percentage, you know, because, you know, again, he has no one's ever played at this level and none of these players have. So it's all new. Um, but, uh, you know, as long as he, if I, if I see the, him assuming that role and being able to lead his team and make a couple of those clutch, clutch baskets when they need them, then yes, that, that's going to be the proof I'm, I need to say that this guy's legit. He's great. I don't know if he's going to get any better. You know, I don't, I think this is it, but, uh, what this is, is really, really good. All right. Thanks coach. You got it. Um, hey, real quick. See, yeah, yeah. Cause Booker is. No, he's 24. You know, there is room as far as age goes for him to, to you know, I guess keep improving. But he's also played one, two, three, four, five. This is his sixth year. So it's like, I don't know. To me, I know age is a factor, but it's also to me how many years you've been in the league. Once you get in the seventh, eighth year, I feel like that's when you're kind of like maximizing your skills. But what's up? Hey, I have a friend that's been selling me on Devin Booker for like the past two years. He sends me clips all the time on Instagram. Yeah. And he also sent me clips of Zach Levine. And oh, I kind of started catering more to Levine this year. But then, of course, with Booker making the playoffs, he, that's all he shows me now. But I still personally feel like Zach Levine is still highly underrated, considering I feel like his skill set is very similar to what Devin Booker gives you. Yeah. Well, you know, here's the difference. Zach Levine's year this year was 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 better. Um, let me just see. Yeah, I mean, it was really much better, especially from an efficiency standpoint, um, offensively. So what separates him now, um, uh, what separates him now, sorry, Scott Text, is, um, is the defense. And I wouldn't have said that Booker was any better than Levine, although Levine is really right. He really struggles defensively a lot of the time. Uh, but after what I've seen in the playoffs, Booker really has been giving out and being effective on the defensive end. We've not really ever seen that from Levine. Uh, and that's probably what's going to have to separate. But th- that's a good call. Like, to try and pick between those two is really tough. Um, I-, I would probably go with Levine offensively. And I'd have to say Booker has been better defensively. He's on a better team. So that's, that makes a, a difference as well. So um, I don't know, man. That's a really, really tough call. That's really close. Um, if you want to value offense more, then you got to choose Levine. Hot take, I guess. I don't know. What else is happening? Gabriel, do you want to say something? Well, uh, looking at the future of this Phoenix Suns team, do you think they can continue to reach conference finals or even the NBA finals in the next years, considering, you know, uh, we don't have the, this kind of season we had where everybody got injured and so 
Um, you know, it's a good question. Obviously, the CP3 thing is an interesting thing to keep an eye on because if he starts to decline, that's going to make it a lot harder for them to do that. And I don't know if campaign can, like, you know, be groomed to fit that role as a starter and then they bring somebody else in and then they continue to keep it going. Everyone else, though, is very young and they can develop. And, you know, guys like Mikhail Bridges are going to get better, too. So I think that they're primed to be, uh, you know, in that mix, which is kind of like weird because now all of a sudden, like the Utah Jazz kind of, where do they stand in that? So they were supposed to be that team. And all of a sudden, you know, does the, are the Suns like leapfrogging them or not? Um, I, I think maybe they are. And so as a result, I, I'm really high on Phoenix and I'm high on the Hawks. I think the Hawks are going to be terrific. If they stay healthy. So, um, yeah, so I think that, that they can certainly keep it going. Uh, the question really is, is the, the campaign taking over for CP3 eventually? I don't know how smooth that's going to be. If they can make that work, uh, then, yeah, then they should be good for several, several years. The Nuggets, too, will probably be up there in the Western Conference. Uh, yeah, they, they probably will. Yeah, I wonder if we're going to find out that the that losing um, uh, Grant ended up being more painful than, it, than they thought it was going to be. Not, I'm, not I'm, I'm hesitant to say Phoenix going to be up there because I can't see. I mean, I know LeBron's not getting any younger, but right. you still have AD. You still have Kawhi in the Clippers. You still have Jokic in the Nuggets. And you, know, you got um, Mitchell in Utah, Luka. Uh, the, the West is kind of stacked. Uh, it is. I mean, it's always been stacked, and you're right. Um so it's probably going to come down to injuries again, which is what we found out. And that happens every year. But, man, I just want to make it clear. This year is different as far as I'm concerned. The number of injuries this year is so much more profound than we've ever seen it before in the playoffs. I, I have to imagine someone's written an article about this. and I haven't seen it, but, right, someone's talked about this. There's got to be a stat out there that shows that we've had more injuries across the board to more starters uh, than we ever had before in the playoffs. Um, and as a result, like that's and that, by the way, but that might end up being the make or break thing for all these you know teams going forward anyway, because everyone is so good uh, that it's hard to overcome that now. The, the the irony is that you know if you're a really good team, you should be able to overcome that and adjust and, and plug somebody else in. But it's it's you know when you have the other teams that good, there is no margin for error on these things. It's really really tough. So I, I just. I just hope that it's not uh, – I hope that with another regular, you know, an offseason where they have a chance to recover. Now, we have the freaking Olympics. Uh, we're finishing a month late anyway, so there's still going to be less time than a normal situation as long as they start normally, which I believe they're going to really try and do. So we're, another, we're in for another year of this possibly, and that's just going to be a really frustrating thing. Coach, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. What's happening? Okay. Um. I had a question about uh, do you think there should be asterisks in like for like teams winning championship? Because like the last few years, like I think it was 2017 when Kawhi got injured and the Warriors won, then the bubble, then uh, 2019 KD went out. I was just wondering if you think there should be one. You know, I've always said that like every year and everyone says this, you know, there's always somebody gets injured and some team benefits from that. So that's not, you know, out of the ordinary. And so I really shouldn't be allowed to say, well, this year it's the same thing, right? And, and, and so there's no asterisk. Yeah. It's the same as we've always seen. I, you know, I, the reasonable answer, though, is it's like it is different this year. You yeah. know, even though I know LeBron had both of those starters, you know, Kyrie and, and um, sorry, uh, yeah, Kyrie and uh, Love out. And that was big, right? Like maybe they do beat the Warriors if those guys were healthy that one year. Um, so, so, so it exists. It's the excuse we give to everybody and, or it's the, it's the fact of the matter every year. 
Um, I don't know, though. I just feel like this is just a very strange year. Um, and, and the team that's going to win, the Suns, you know, like they're the ones who they were going to lose the first round. So it's, it's yeah. crazy. Uh, uh, it doesn't usually happen like that. Uh, you know, like a team that like looks like they're on the verge of losing the first round suddenly gets it together and then they go and wins the entire thing. That, that, that never really happens. So this is definitely different, but uh, equally difficult and e- equally merited. Whoever wins it, you know, gets, gets to deserve it. Now, the only problem we have is, is like, I wonder what the ratings are going to be like. I, you know, this yeah. is two small market teams. Uh, the Bucks do have a pretty, you know, big presence online. Generally, the Suns, I don't feel like do. Um, and then I don't know how that's going to translate to watching these games on TV. So we'll keep our eye on that. And maybe it doesn't really matter because we'll, as far as I can tell, we're going to get great games anyway. And that's that's the key, I think. Yeah, I think people are just too focused on like LeBron being out. And I still think the finals could be really good. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think it's going to be an interesting chess match. I love what, you know, the Suns have some really great offensive sets that they run. The Bucks do not generally yeah. but uh the suns really do they're very clever and so i've been grabbing things that catch my eye throughout the season and most of them are the suns these days when i'm looking through that list so uh we shall see how the uh the bucks can adjust but we know the bucks are gonna give up a lot of open threes the actually yeah. interesting question um i, I want to i'm looking this up i want to know how well the sun shot from three as a team i'm just going to do the basic version of this uh in the play in the regular season uh this is a regular three-point percentage the suns were seventh in the league that's pretty good so that's gonna be a problem for the bucks so keep your eye on that too uh hey mark i know you've been in there for a little while i want to hear from everybody so what's happening yeah hi um i was just wondering um looking at the the bucks throughout the playoffs they've probably been i saw it somewhere on youtube uh, they're bipolar they're probably one of the most inconsistent teams um what does what does this mean because now they got to the finals and uh which has taken them a couple of years even if they, regardless if they win or lose the finals, what does it mean? Does this mean for for Coach Budenholzer? I know, isn't it amazing that he was about to be fired and and then he could potentially win the NBA title? I mean, yeah, it, it's, it's very it's, strange. It's reminiscent of the guys, the, the coaches that win Coach of the Year and then they fire them, right? And that happened a whole bunch of times. Um, you know, obviously, if they, they he's not getting fired now, right? Like they no, they they no, they, they figure some things out. And by the way. The Suns were going to get, I mean, as far, again, I, I know that CP3 had that injury, but he was back to like 75, 80, 85% of his power by the time game four rolled around and they were going to get beat before AD went down. Um, well, the Bucks are the same way. They were down 2-0 with a high, healthy Kyrie and the Nets. I, I, as far as I could tell, there was no evidence that they were going to be able to win that series. None. And Kyrie goes down. Harden was already, already out. So that's the same kind of thing. They're benefiting the same way from that from a catastrophic injury. And, um, and you know that, but that's gonna. The narrative was enough. I think Bud is gonna get keep his job. I mean, there's no other way around it. You can't. I mean, unless Giannis went to them and said, "Listen, I need a new coach because we, you know, whatever." But you know, uh, that that probably won't happen either. I can't picture Giannis doing that. So, so Bud Budenholzer is not is not going to lose his job, and uh, it, it, it's one of those rare weird things. Now, what, it, it, here's what could happen. Next year could get going again. They they start and let's let's say they win. Let you know somehow they, without Giannis doesn't play. He comes back and then let's say that they they're like mediocre, right? They're fourth in the conference. Wait, what were they this year? Were they third? Third. Um, third. Yeah, which which by the way is a little bit of a downer, right? That was another reason why they get rid of Boonholzer. Let's just say they're third again or fourth and struggling. It's not the same as it was. Uh, you know, can they then fire him then because all those issues are still there? probably so that, that's what i probably would look for now if that's the case 
then they're like, gosh, why, we should have just done it in the beginning of the year. We're going to have a clean slate now. Because, by the way, now we're behind the eight ball to try and resurrect our season. It would be really difficult in the middle of the year with a new coach. Um, so anyway, so that, that's what I would I, – I wouldn't be surprised, though, if they if, – let, let, let's, let's say they win it. Uh, they struggle again next year and are in the same spot, and, um, and then the same calls are for his job again. Yeah, yeah, but it's, 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 it's a thing because this season, when looking since they've got, gotten to the finals now, uh, you can say overall it probably is a successful season. Uh, it makes it more difficult, uh, while even the situation uh, as far as the team play goes uh, and the game plan, it's still the same issues are there. And uh, defensively, they're very uh, stuck in their system of uh, protecting, uh, protecting the paint. Uh, the changes, I, I feel like this year they've made more adju- adjustments in-game uh, than previous years, but still, uh, in some games, like game four against the Hawks, they, they just look terrible. And game five and six, just the, the feel of that game was just so much better. Yeah. And, and by the way, in all fairness, when you lose Giannis, right, that was in the middle of the game four, right? Yeah, yeah, halfway That's through. Before, right? Yeah, yeah, like, you know, it, it, all bets are off. You're not going to be able to handle that. It, you know, in-game in adjustments aren't going to do anything. You need to have a practice no. or two, you know what I mean, and get over the initial shock. So I don't blame them, you know, for, for, for you know, crapping the bet on that one. Um, but, yeah, again, what you said is right. The, the adjustments they made and the way that Middleton and Drew Holiday come alive off of that uh, is really impressive because sometimes teams, no matter – even though they have that ability – they rely on a guy like Giannis so much that when he goes away, they just don't know how to run their offense. And you know what? They were able to do it. So, um, you know, and, and you know, this is, this is a testament to how, you know, listen, Drew Holiday is, is a really good player. Middleton's yeah, a really good player, right? Again, like I said in the beginning of the show, there's no way they get there, even with Giannis healthy. If Middleton doesn't come through and play as well as he can, uh, they don't get to this point at all. He is the key, which is the same with everybody. If Michael had Scotty, you know, LeBron had um, Kyrie. It's like you know, when 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 LeBron came back from one three down against the Warriors, Kyrie had almost every bit of good a game yep. for those three games in a row than LeBron did. And guess who hits the shot to win the game? Kyrie does, not LeBron. So you know he got the block, but Kyrie had hit the shot. So um, you always need that. And uh, so it's not like a you know hot take, but it's like you know we need to make sure that Middleton's getting his due as a bona fide legit. I think I had gotten the hot take and said he was a top ten player. Uh, I need to see the list because he's probably not a top ten player, but um, but you know he's he's as good as I would bet you he's as good as any of those guys that are in the top fifteen or you know whoever's in front of him. I you know if they're in front of him, it's by a millimeter a fingernail. Yeah, it's, it's just a little bit uh, streaky. Uh, yeah, he's a little bit streaky. Last game, five points in the first half, and then in the second, third quarter, he goes off for twenty three. So it's uh, it is interesting, it's right? More often, yeah. Yeah, and you can almost tell it was weird. He made that first bucket, and on Twitter, I even called it. I'm like, he's gonna go, he's gonna end the game by himself. Yeah, he gets. You can kind of tell, right? It was, he's like, "F it, I'm going to shoot a lot more. I'm going to be aggressive." And you know, who knows what's going to happen? Well, when he's aggressive like that, and that's you know, without Giannis there, then he becomes so much a lot better. Uh, and Drew Holiday as well. So um, it's funny how you know we, the, the Charles Barkley effect was. I think is that what Bill Simmons called it? Where no, maybe the Pat Ewing effect. But it was like when Barkley would go out and when he played for the Sixers. This is aging me and nobody remembers this but when Barkley played in Philadelphia they would you know throw down in the post it was a very stagnant offense and it was effective but when he'd go out 
all those other guys, all of a sudden the, the offense opened up and it was like they'd score easier and it would almost look better. And, uh, yeah, that's the that, same with what happened here. Yeah. Yeah. Because remember, when they sag off of Giannis, they, they, it, it leads to like stagnant ISOs and then they don't really run much offense as he's doing his dribble, dribble, dribble and bagging down, all that stuff. Um, aesthetically, it's, it's more pleasing. And uh, you can argue that the shots are better that way. So um, it's interesting. So we'll have to see. I, honestly, I, I would be shocked. I'm sh- First of all, I'm shocked that there was no structural damage anyway to, to Giannis. Yeah, that, that and, was shocking, yeah. And, yeah, and so as a result, I, I would like to say I'd be shocked that he plays at all in the finals. But because there was no structural damage, I can't go on the record and say, oh, he's not going to play in the finals. So, but I would have okay, been like, yeah. I think there were reports saying that he – would have been back if this series against the Hawks would have gone to seven games. Maybe. We'll, we'll never know. Said, said it somewhere, so maybe he, he will be back. I just don't think they should rush him back. Uh, yeah. Because it, it's probably likely to get injured, like an actual uh, long-term injury. I agree. I agree. Especially about if the because, right, if there's no structural damage, you can still have um, instability. And if yeah. you have instability and then you do something wrong, that's it. And, like, that's why, you know, they, he really just shouldn't play, right? Like, that's that's the answer. He just shouldn't play. But, you know, we had the Willis-Reed game and, you know, what he might try and do that too. But uh, I, I would hope that if it looked like there was some instability there, they would say shut it down immediately and kick him out, of, literally kick him out of the arena. So there, there's no chance he's going to try and convince anyone to let him play. So we'll see. Yeah, because otherwise you're going to get, uh, like, the – KD moment uh, two years ago against the Raptors, uh, where he comes. Yeah, back yeah, right, right. Then... Brutal, brutal, and like you know, obviously he had been dealing with a little bit of injury too. Um, hard to know if it was related, but probably. And so, yeah. And then, by the way, another one of those things, another miracle where he comes back 100 percent from that from that injury is absolutely amazing. Yeah. Well, listen, it's funny. I, we have a bit of a, of a, um, a international feel to this, probably because it's 4th of July. And maybe everyone else is out there at the barbecues and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, hopefully you guys all have a great 4th of July. Anybody doing anything fun today? No, I'm really talking with you is pretty fun. <laughs> I got one thing to say back going back to the TV and the ratings. I don't know if Jeff Van Gundy is calling the finals, but if he is, I think the ratings go down immediately. I think he is terrible. He doesn't yeah. get... Like, I mean, one thing I've been noticing is, you know how sometimes the replays can take a lot of time at the yeah. end of games, just throughout the game, too? He amplifies him and Mark Jackson, pretty much everyone other, you know, than Marv and, and Reggie. They, they do a pretty good job, but he amplifies the amount of time for the viewers, it feels like, when they're having these replays. Because he just complains the whole game. He doesn't enjoy the yep. game. Like, he it just seems like he complains. And it really, yeah. like, I, I, I mute the TV. And I just watch because I yeah I can't no I know it. I know uh, and I by the way I might be doing some more hot mics so you can listen to me on the hot mic do the play by play because of that yeah uh, it will he will be doing the games and it, Mark Jackson will too I mean listen if you're gonna throw shade on on Jeff you're gonna have to throw shade on Mark Jackson too because uh, I, I scratch my head a lot of what uh, what their analysis is. Uh, you know obviously Jeff's trying to be funny with his complaining like the Woody Allen style thing but. You know, that's not funny really anymore. And it does sound end up like like complaining. And, and, and you know, he's not going to change because he's been doing it for so long. And that's why, you know, fresh faces tend to be, you know, good. Um, by the way, this kind of leads us to the whole Rachel Nichols thing, which did you guys all see that uh, report today? No. No, what happened? So Rachel Nichols got caught on a hot mic or a hot camera 
talking to somebody on the phone about how um, who does the there's a woman who hosts. I don't watch these shows, but there's a woman who hosts NBA Countdown. Um, I don't know who she is. And um, she was basically complaining that um, because the woman was black, she gets she got that role over Rachel Nichols. And it was sort of a complaint in the sense that, like, I worked really, really hard. That was my thing. It was supposed to be my contract. And, uh, like, maybe it was like somewhere like it was like a diversity hire. I think maybe it's what she was trying to cast that is and that as. And um, it came out and it, it was out in, in the, uh, you know, somebody caught it on the ESPN side. Interestingly enough, it was a hot mic internally on ESPN, but somebody there apparently like with their phone recorded it and then started disseminating it, which is then that's interesting that like somebody wanted to put you now throw that in the fire. But uh, Maria Taylor, okay. So I don't know who she is, but nonetheless, um she I I, I don't know if she's any good. The, 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 I guess it's not the point. The point is is that it was said and it was very hurtful. Maria Taylor doesn't seem to want to have any kind of thing to do with, with Rachel Nichols at all. And that becomes a little bit awkward because, you know, this in the reporting I was reading, they'll go to Rachel Nichols for a report in the middle of the show. Uh, apparently, those have all been pre-taped because they didn't want to have any interaction with each other. Maria didn't want to have any interaction with, uh, with uh, Rachel Nichols. And so uh, it's an interesting situation. I, 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 would, uh, I, I don't know what to make of it. Anybody have any thoughts? I mean, I'm kind of going through the comments here on YouTube. Sounds like nobody on locker room wants to talk about it. Um, well, I haven't even heard anything about it, honestly. That's yeah. I was thinking you were talking about the um, the bald headed lady, but that was a different NBA show. I don't even know which one that is. Oh, I really have no idea about that one. But um, yeah, it's it's really really too bad because I have no I have I have no doubt that Rachel Nichols is a woman would you know completely want to support Maria Taylor as a woman because it is so hard at the ESPN you know for all those years it was terrible for women in that situation. By the way, I'm not even sure it's great there now anyway, right? Like the whole the whole uh, atmosphere still you'll still see glimpses in these articles about how the atmosphere isn't great the the, uh, the culture. But um, so I suppose there should have been some support like female to female. Um, but obviously race becomes a really big problem here. And, you know, you can't, you cannot say that, uh, no matter what you think, uh, you, you know, to get caught on that is, is getting caught, you know, that's, that's the problem. And, uh, and that's where we are. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what Maria, if she's, if she's any good or not. Um, I, I, you know, does anybody watch those shows anyway? Uh, I personally, I don't, uh, if it's an ESPN halftime show, I'm not watching it. If it's TNT yeah. inside the NBA, I'll watch yeah, it. Right. right. Yeah, I, I can't. I can't watch ESPN halftime. I like Jalen Rose, I like Jay Williams, but I don't know if it's just too many commercials or what. It's just like I don't feel like I'm really getting anything for watching their halftime show. When TNT, yeah. I'm getting real insight. Yeah. Well, I, I yeah, I will <laughs> say this from a production standpoint. As far as like, if you were running ESPN, you can't have a show where well the host refuses to talk in live to the reporter in the you know in the middle of the show like that you can't that can't function properly that way um i i don't know if um i i if people want to say that rachel Nichols is a bad person but she's not a bad person right I, I think everybody likes her you know she was the one the players really like to talk to and she i i can't believe that she would be a, a bad person per se like with a, a history of terrible things but i don't know why anyone would say that i i would be willing to you know about to say that she seems she seems very nice i i don't know her but um Nonetheless, uh, you know, oh, Michelle Beadle was better. Uh, which one was she? That was a blonde-haired woman. A uh, blonde-haired, right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. The, one, 
Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Right. Well, then, you know, then there's the whole Paul Pierce thing. So, right, Paul Pierce gets thrown out because he was he thought he was uh, talking live to a buddy on a uh, right. That was he thought it was a uh, um, a FaceTime call, and it was really on his Instagram. Is that what is that the official line? Oh, I didn't even know what the excuse was. I just thought he did it because he didn't care. <laughs> Man, oh, no he, he just owned up to it. Like he's just, Wait, yeah. I, I thought it was because like he didn't want to resign with uh, Disney and stuff. Boys so then, man. why just don't resign? Like <laughs> don't, you don't have to broadcast you at a at some sort of a, whatever that was. Um, you probably uh, got seven. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, I do. Someone mentioned Cassidy Hubbard. Hubbard, I, I she is awesome, and she it's the fact that she's not covering these games. I, I haven't seen her. Right? She hasn't done any sideline reporting. I don't think so, right? I'm just uh, Doris. The last one, what? Go ahead. I was gonna. I was just ch- chiming in. I miss Doris Burke. And Doris too. Doris is great. Uh, Mark Jones. That pairing is awesome. Wait, um, isn't, isn't she commentating but, now? Who? Doris? Yeah. Well, she was, but I think once they get to the conference finals, it's only uh, you know uh, Breen and um, and Jackson and uh, what's his name and uh, Van Gundy, but. Um, but, uh, you know, Cassie Hubbard, she did an interview with – I can't remember the coach now, whatever the last one she did. It was so good and so much better than anybody else's that she should just be doing those from now on. I don't know why anybody else gets a shot at those. Um, in fact, the last few I thought have been really bad. Uh, you know, they don't know what questions to ask. They don't they, – they're not, like, watching the game because, you know, when you're – like, <laughs> listen, they should hire me. Like, they, they should hire me to write the questions for them. Because there are very specific questions you can ask about what happened in the first half that are not negative that the coach would actually give you some an interesting answer to. And it's rather – instead it's like, uh, how do you feel about the team in the first quarter? You know, it's like that's not a question that you want to ask. And the coach is like, oh, we didn't play hard enough or we're going to play a little harder or we got to tighten up. But whatever. They don't give you any answers. So – but Cassidy asked a couple of good questions that were very specific about whatever was going on in the game. That's what they need to do. It's, it's a kind of weird that they don't know better how to do those, those interviews. All right, we got a couple more people in, in the show who want, want to chop it up real quick, and then I'm going to wrap it up because I got to get going with my whole day uh, with the July Oh, Coach, stuff, so. who you got, uh, Bucks or Suns? All right, well, in, in this show alone, I went from, like, somebody talking to the Bucks, and then I might went back to the Suns again. I'm going to go back to the Suns. My first in- instinct is the Suns. I feel like the way the Bucks are going to play defense is going to play into the uh, Suns' hands, uh, especially if Giannis is hurt. If Giannis is healthy, then it, that changes some things. But I still feel like the Bucks could be, could beat them. I feel like they could throw Aiton on him and uh, and be very effective. And I think um, um, I think that the Suns are going to win. So there's my answer. <laughs> how many games? Right. You can't give me the games. All right. How many games? Seven. All right. I don't know, man. I, this, this, that, the number of games I'm just making up. I'm pulling something. Yeah, I don't blame you, man. It's hard to make. I feel like the Suns are going to try and beat up Giannis because one, he's coming off of an injury, and two, he actually prioritizes his body like 100 percent of the time. You know? Yeah. I don't know. I'm a little scared. Well, that would mean to me he's not going to play then if he really does because yeah. You can't. I mean, and and he shouldn't. Again, he really, really shouldn't. And I know that we have the culture of like, you know, if you can walk, you can play. But, <laughs> um, you know, although that culture may not exist anymore. I mean, look you got, on YouTube, like you see this finger. This will never straighten again because I broke it. And it was like F it. I, I don't. I'm not. I didn't even take care of it. I, you know, I just kept playing and whatever. Oh, uh, my wrist. If I, I wonder if I had the uh, X-ray. I snapped my wrist in half. My senior year of high school, the very beginning of the year, running, I saved the ball and ran into a brick wall that was right on the sideline, one of those awful gyms. 
and I was not going to miss my senior year. And I just taped the sh- taped that up and um, and played. And to this day, my wrist hurts. And I, I should never have done that. I should have gone to the doctor and gotten the X-ray then, gotten it taken care of, right? But we that was the, that was what we had back then. It was like you know you don't you just if you can rock and you can whatever you play. Um, and, and did you, you win know, the game? That's what I was just about to ask. Um, <laughs> shoot, you know what we. We we might not have won that game. Uh, it was against a really good team, and I remember I was in. I was and I, I taped it up in that game and played. And I remember I was like I had the ball up by, by my shoulders, and the guy stole it from me by hitting that wrist. It, it was probably should have been a foul, but it was close to my hand, and I was it hurt so much. I, I just the ball came right out of my hand, and then it went on a score. We might have lost that game um, also. And, you know, it was a really tough tournament uh, in the beginning of the year. But I played the rest of the time. I ripped up my ankles as well. Those still hurt. That affected my, my the way I move. So you might wonder why I rail against things like diving on the ball for loose balls, let down on the floor for loose balls, at least in the sense of doing those drills to, to, to do that. Um, all those kind of things, I feel like, are not what the good, the best players do. And so we shouldn't be teaching, like, the lesser players to overcome any of their, uh, their inabilities by, like, diving and stuff. No, teach those lesser players to be more skilled, and then they'd be better and don't have to, like, risk their lives, risk their bodies uh, to overcome any skill deficits. So anyhow, that, that's my little TED Talk. Thanks for coming to that one. Um, but anyway, any last couple uh, uh, points in here? Anybody who hasn't spoken? I, I know uh, Kunal hasn't spoken, and uh, Jaden. Anybody else? Uh, yeah, I had a quick question. Um, yeah. Do you, Do you think uh, Kate Cunningham will uh, transform the uh, Pistons team? I don't know, man. They still have the same coach. Um, he's really good, though, so he should definitely increase the, the obviously the talent level, and that should increase wins. So, if you're asking me that, will they be better the next year with him? Yeah. Yes, they absolutely should be better with him. Now, the, the real question is, is, is he ready to be that guy in the NBA? I kind of think so. The way he plays, and I'm, I'm impressed with him. I have to go on a deeper dive and really absorb it. But from what I've seen and his size. Uh, I do feel like he does have the ability to, to elevate a team and certainly make him better. And they also have um, the other rookie who I really like too. Um, oh my goodness, from last year. Is uh, it Seku? Seku Dumbaya? No, not not, not him. Killian Hayes. Hayes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Killian Hayes. Yeah, Hayes. Yeah. Uh, Killian Hayes. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Him. Um, I'm, am I feeling somebody else? Am I Sadiq going Bay, crazy? Sadiq Bay. No, Sadiq Bay. Sadiq Bay. I was really, really high on coming out of last year's draft, and I think he did pretty nicely. I have to tell you, I didn't watch much Pistons this year. It was kind of ugly, right? But Sadiq Bay. Um, that's what I was thinking of. Uh, you know, twelve points a game uh, and shot pretty well. So I think he's another guy who I really like. So you put him together with those guys, uh, and they they should be much better. Yeah. So I, I would I would look for an improvement. Certainly over the twenty wins, they'll be better than that. And I also feel like if the Pistons just give Cade the keys to the city, let him, like, make mistakes, then they, they should have a bright future. Well, yeah. Do, will Dwayne Casey do that? No. Questionable. I don't you think know, so. It's, 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 it's hard to know. I don't think he's done that in the past with, like, rookies like that. He's he's decidedly old school in a lot of those things. So you never know. But, but hey, maybe he'll If that gets in the way, maybe, maybe look for a new coach. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that listen. Here's the thing: as soon as you get hired, you know you're going to get fired, right? Like that's not even a question. It's only a question of when, basically, right? Unless you are, you know, I mean, I was going to say, unless you're Rick Carlisle, who I think it was, I definitely think it was his choice to leave. So it wasn't like he got fired. But um, most of the time, it's like, yeah, you're going to get fired. It's only a question of when. So I think with the same thing with Dwayne Casey, I don't think he's, I don't think he would argue that point either. It's happened to him too, you know, a couple of times. In fact, Dwayne Casey was a guy I believe, didn't he win Coach of the Year and get fired? Yeah. 
Yeah. So he's one of those yeah. guys. Um, so, uh, you know, I don't be surprised if they bring somebody else in who's going to start to, you know, uh, develop these younger guys and, and do a, a better version of that. By the way, I, I, having seen what Nick McMillan said about that and changed, I'm really maybe uh, maybe Dwayne Casey has changed or can change as well. Uh, but before that, before I heard that, you know, a couple of days ago, I was like, none of those 55 and older coaches or 50 and older coaches uh, could do it. But you never know. All right, last one. Anyone want to say anything? Jaden, did you speak before? I don't know. Uh, I don't really have nothing to say. I just – Hey, coach. No, no how, worries. Yeah, Gabriel, what's up? How's the new defense coming? Ah, good question. Good question. So those of you who don't know, I've been trying to invent a new defense, a radical defense that could either get me laughed out of the gym uh, if I try and demonstrate it, or everyone's going to be like, oh, my goodness, might rat, you know, revolutionize the way we play defense. Uh, I ran it a couple weeks ago with the high school team, and it went okay. There was something there, but it was I need I need pros. So, I, in fact, while we were talking, I got a text from one of my buddies who's going to help me get some pros in the court. Um, and he's like, it's not uh, – it's not going to happen tomorrow. We're going to do it tomorrow, so it's going to be next week. So next week, I'm going to get on the court with a bunch of good pros, and um, I'm going to run it through. I, I've, been, I've been developing. I've been talking to a ton of coaches. Um, so it's going. I think I have something. Um, and the cool thing is, is that the way I'm trying to def- defend the ball, which is really, really radical, it happens on every, almost every possession anyway in certain pieces. I'm just kind of getting to that part ahead of time and then getting people in the earlier positions to do that. But basically, it's like imagine if you can run a defense where you can't set a, screen, a, peck, a ball screen and you don't give up threes. Okay? Now, uh, that's, the, that's the premise, and I'm getting closer to figuring out how that's going to work. Uh, so stay tuned for that. And I'm presenting at Coaching You Live at, in Vegas right before the Summer League starts. And I'm probably going to present some of it there. Uh, but I got to get it in order, and I have about a month to do that. So um, hopefully we'll see it by next week. Uh, so stay tuned. But so far, so good. I've been diagramming. I've been trying to figure out how to teach it properly. So when we get in the gym, we can just do it. Um, so great question. Thanks for asking. And, uh, you know, stay tuned. I'm going to have some video footage, I think, after next week. All right. Can't can wait to uh, hear about it. Thank you. you I appreciate it. Uh, all right. Well, I'm going to wrap it up, guys, because it's time to uh, get on with our days. It's July 4th. If you're celebrating, great. Uh, let's let's celebrate the notion that our, our, our country can always improve and that we're looking for progress, which is why we have to study the past and know where we came from. Uh, so it's very important to know the true, honest history of our country. Uh, it reminds me of a great line in a movie called Dazed and Confused, which you all should watch. Uh, it's about the summer of 1976 and it's a great movie. Um, and it's a little bit risque, I suppose, if you are, uh, if you, if your values are more conservative than mine, but there's a great line where the te- the history teacher, as they're all getting out for the last class for the summer says, don't forget while you're out there celebrating the bicentennial, remember it's the 76, so the 200 year uh, celebration for the United States. While you're celebrating the bicentennial, don't forget what we're really doing is um, the, the revolution was really about a bunch of rich white men who didn't want to pay taxes. <laughs> so that's our, the true history of our country. I'll leave you with that. Thank you guys for all being here. Uh, I'll get a video out as soon as I can, hopefully maybe tomorrow about something. And uh, stay tuned with me. We'll be doing live shows and live watch parties uh, throughout the whole uh, uh, NBA finals. And we'll be over here on the green room as well. So join there. And uh, don't forget, sports fans, at B-Ball Breakdown, we're not a channel, we're a conversation. You in? Are you guys in? Oh, we in. Hell yeah. Yeah, hell yeah, man. Thank you, Awesome, thanks.